This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to the Heroes of HP12, the Wiccan Wanderers podcast powered by the fans. I'm Michael Kenny, joined as usual by Adam Cooper, Dan Clark and Damien Farrar-Hockley. Derby County at the weekend, one all draw, late, late, very late drama with Luke Leahy uh, rescuing a point with a 98th minute penalty at Pride Park. David Wheeler bundled over in the box. Nice stuff, nice stuff. There's a lot to talk about. But first, um, thoughts on the overall thoughts on the game, guys. Our first point, we've kind of we kind of stopped the rot, haven't we? Yeah, I think sometimes you're actually, and this is going to sound like a really weird thing to say, but sometimes you're actually better off a one-all draw in no circumstances at a place like that with a last-minute goal than you are sort of winning 2-0 with two goals in the first 10 minutes. You know what I mean? Because I think the... Um, the boys were absolutely buzzing after it. <clears throat> um, I was speaking to, to JT, the kit man, afterwards, and he said the changing room was absolutely bouncing, was pumping, whereas obviously the Derby changing room was uh, was quite a sombre place to be. So I think it will do them the world of good. I think the time away that they had with each other last weekend probably helped as well. Um, but look, it was a... It was a better performance. It, it was far from perfect. There's still a lot of work to do at the top end of the pitch. Um we were trying more um, in that last third. You know, there was balls flashing across the goal. There, Vincent Young went went for one in the second half, didn't he, at, at the back post that he missed. Um, there was stuff happening, but there still weren't enough clear ch- clear chances. What you have to remember is playing Derby at Pride Park, you're not going to go up there and get a bundle of chances. They're a good side. They're up there for a reason. Um, I was talking to... Um, to Richard Keogh afterwards and he said actually they're probably the best side that we've played this season as far as our organisation is concerned and their ability to go from attack to defence literally like that uh, <coughs> and they've got three or four different ways of doing it they can go long if you want them to they'll go into feet or they'll they'll play through the thirds with some lovely passes um, so I thought we did well I think the change of shape really suited us that we looked super comfortable with four at the back um, it did get a bit uh, a bit wobbly when we went to five um, mm-hmm. And again, I don't know why the goal was a bit of a scruffy goal to give away. I don't think you can really blame anybody. It was just one of them that, that fell in the wrong place. It was very difficult to react to it. But um, but no, I thought all, all in all, a much more positive afternoon's work from the lads. Um, like I say, they're going to be absolutely buzzing after that. So hopefully they can take some of that confidence in the next into the next couple of games and get some points. It's the old football adage, and it's a funny thing how it happens where one team, even though it's a draw, when it happens in those circumstances, one team feels like they've lost and one team feels like they've won. Mm. Um, I just think it's something that, our, that the lads needed. They needed an end product, a positive end product, which they haven't had for how many weeks. Um, it's going to boost the confidence massively. And like I said, the goal, I mean, unfortunately... Uh, their their winger was just he, he was putting crosses in left right and center 
Um, it was going to happen eventually. It was going to break down because uh, they just piled themselves into the box. We dealt with them so well with four at the bat, though, didn't we? We did. We did. It, it just makes you wonder it. whether they weren't all defined in their positions and it just fell, yeah. to, fell in that one spot you didn't want it to fall in, didn't it? Exactly that. And the, on another day, it falls to one of our defenders who just knocks it away. Um, yeah. You know, uh, we get out with a... Well, if we go down the other end and get a penalty like that, a 1-0 win. But, I mean, I was screaming when I saw... Uh, we'd have went down for that penalty because again it's just something that we as fans players needed the club needed it's a positive result and i just think going forward we've got to just remember that energy and keep it going like that you know we were not one nil down we were very late in the game and we didn't give up and that's that's what i think is more of the positive thing it was a it was a bit of a strange game in the I think after the first five minutes it seemed that Derby just kind of seemed to have their tail up about pretty much everything the boys on the pitch they they you know yellow cards were coming out left right and center the fans just seemed really aggressive and yeah just just really um they just seemed there just seemed to be a vibe coming from the opponents on Saturday how good was Rebecca Welch by the way she was absolutely fantastic not if you read the Derby message boards, it's not. <laughs> she wasn't. I'm obviously always going to be a bit biased because I'm a Wickham fan, right? Yeah. We're all going to be a bit biased in that regard. But I was like, every decision, every decision she got right. There was no, there was no, nothing seemed iffy. Nothing, it never seemed like she was, you know. Apart from possibly the Hurahan tackle. Yeah, possibly. A, possibly about to say Possibly a red card, but what yeah. I would say about that is it was one of those. I've heard this this phrase branded about a lot in the last couple of days um, for a couple of the Premier League ones. It was probably an orange card. It wasn't quite a red, and it was a bit more than oh. the yellow. Um, mm. And I think I think when you look at the context of the game, it was quite a feisty game. There was tackles flying in. You know, there was a big crowd in there. The atmosphere was electric. I think she handled it really, really well. Um, I think she, her game management was really good. She didn't take any shit from players crowding around her. She wasn't intimidated by the fact that she's literally only four foot six and she was arguing with big, hairy footballers who are well above six foot. I think she's the best referee we've had, certainly, this season. Um, I would agree with that. Lockie tried to give her absolutely. some sweets afterwards, and she's, uh, <laughs> she's the, <So> absolute, <laughs> the absolute model professional turned them down. So. Uh, she's got yeah. she's got uh, she's got a big game this weekend, hasn't she? Um, so she seems like a really I was going to say really nice kid. That makes her sound really old, but she seems like a really nice girl as well. She's got her head screwed on. I think the biggest thing for me was that she wasn't taking any of the shit. I think the big clubs like Derby, Portsmouth, etc are used to referees going to their home, gra- home ground and getting bullied into giving decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was two or three in the middle of the park that were quite obvious fouls. Um, you know, she blew up. She didn't give a yellow card. She just blew up, gave a free kick. And, you know, it was like 20,000 Derby fans as if she's just killed their cat. You know, it was a complete overreaction, but they didn't like um, the decisions that were going against them. They were very, very physical all over the park. They were very, very physical. Um, but, but yeah, I thought she handled it well, to be fair to her. And I think, you know, it's very easy to come on here and to, to rant about referees and to say how bloody useless they are. And we have done before about c- certain refs, but I thought she handled the, the occasion really well. I thought she refereed it well. As Dan said, and Damo said, the, the Hurraham one could have gone either way, but I'm not too bothered that it wasn't given. Um, and I think she actually contributed to, to what ended up being quite an entertaining game because she wasn't picky she wasn't fussy but she let it flowed yeah yeah she, she dealt she dealt with the stuff that needed to be dealt with so fair play to her you look you know when you've got a number of decisions like that and i think because she gave away a yellow card quite early on it set the precedent for the game and then obviously anything after that rightfully so by the way i, I you know it was was a yellow card um and i think it probably just descended into a torrent of anger which it's just it's typical. You you get you get these clubs that think they're bigger than where they the where they are, and they think that people, including the referees, should roll over for them. And when they don't, they don't like it. And I think that's probably the case here. We had a, a really really good day, as far as our experience of Derby, our experience of the staff, the stewards. It wasn't that kind of big club feel that we've had at places before. Yeah, we brought up before when we've gone to 
when we've gone to Leeds and when we've gone to Sunderland, but everybody was really, really friendly. Um, we stood outside chatting to, chatting with some Derby fans while Lockie was giving his sweets out and stuff, and they were they were really genuinely quite friendly. I don't know if that's kind of where they go to have their five pints of Stella, let off some steam, and then they come out of the stadium and they're normal human beings again. I honestly don't know. But, um, yeah, just for balance, look, they did behave in the ground like a bunch of knobheads, as some of our fans, by the way, and some of the... Uh, some of the absolutely ridiculous chants and use of pyrotechnics were completely unnecessary um, by the same group of 14-year-olds dressed in Stone Island and Burberry. Um, but, but yeah, for balance, it was a really good away game. Prices were really fair, 25 quid for the two of us. Brilliant, um, weren't they? And yeah, and we were we were really looked after. The stewards were brilliant. The um, stewards on a car park made a real fuss of little man. Um there was like some football games going on in the car park for the Derby fans and they called Lockie over and let Lockie have a go on them. Yeah, it was absolutely brilliant. There wasn't one bit of animosity outside the stadium whatsoever. Um, I think it's important just to, to point that out for balance. Back on the pitch, we were talking about the uh, the Horihan challenge and, and how it should have probably, if, if an orange card existed, that's probably what it would have been. I, I do want to... It's always it's always a talking point that comes up, and I think they've been talking about it a lot up the pyramid recently. But I do think when you slow these things down, it re—I mean, it looks terrible when it's slowed down. And I saw one, um, I saw one screenshot on on the social uh, after the game, and someone had slowed it down to the point where I mean, you couldn't tell there were two people because it was just a motion blur. And I was like, well, if you slow it down like that, you, it's gonna look terrible. I, you know, I watched it normal speed. It didn't look good. I think the one thing that really saved him, uh, it's a yellow card, but the thing that saved him was the fact that Killian was on the ground. He was on the ground. If he was stood up and he'd gone in like that, that's a leg breaker. That's dangerous. That's a red card for sure. I think the fact that because Killian was on the ground, I think that's probably what saved him. But I I don't think it was a red card. I think it was definitely a yellow and, you know, as we say, a, a strong a strong one at that. It's one it's one way it's quite open to interpretation though, isn't it? Because I mean, obviously you said normal speed it looks for me, normal speed, it looks awful. It depends on the angle of where the referee is as well, because if you look mm. at it at the angle, especially when you see it on the replay, if you look at the angle head on, you kind of it looks like a dangerous tackle. It you know, it looks like a really bad tackle and probably is a yellow. But actually if you look at it from another angle, his foot's gone over the ball, he's not in control of what he's doing, as studs are up. You know, that in the laws of a game is a red card. So, you know, it, it depends on what's been seen by the lino and the ref at the time. And that, that's the question, really. Do you think in a, in a Prem game, if VAR was in effect, do you think that's, do, do you think it would have been overturned as a red? Absolutely. It would have been pulled up, possible red. Yeah, absolutely. If VAR was in force, it would have been um, probably given as a red card. And like you said, but like you say, I totally agree. When you slow it all down, it does look a lot worse. But she gets one look at it at this level and she, she let the game flow. So fair enough. I think there's far too much sort of whinge bagging about, oh, this would be a red card if there was VAR. This wouldn't be a, <clears throat> this wouldn't be a red card. We almost want our game to be beyond perfect. Like people are saying, oh, just get rid of VAR, just allow referees to use our common sense. You know, they're the ones who are in the middle. They're the ones who can feel the atmosphere, who can feel what it's like on the pitch. If that had been a bit of a ticky-tacky game where there hadn't been any uh, hadn't been any challenges, a bit boring, and he jumps in like that, it's probably a red. But I want referees to be able to take into account the external circumstances and to actually be able to referee a game using their common sense. And unfortunately, that's what VAR takes away. Um, and I think, well, I'm a Wiccan fan, and it would have been in our interest for him to have been sent off. But I actually think she made the right... She, she made the right call. Um, it 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 could have been a red card, and I, I don't think they could have had too many complaints if he was sent off. By the way, but I think in the context of the game, she was um, you know she was letting an awful lot go. She was consistent, um, and there was just it it was just a feisty tackle. There's a lot of feisty tackles in that game, um, and yeah, I just you know. As football fans are like, oh, we want the referees to use common sense. As soon as they're using common sense, it's like, oh, we want VAR, we want VAR. Oh, we don't want VAR because it's terrible. We just want referees to... What do we actually want as football supporters? I would much rather 
have a human being in the middle of a pitch making an honest decision on a first view of stuff. Stop slowing stuff down. Stop mm. looking at stills of stuff because that's not how it happens. And you can look at a picture of something on Twitter and it can look absolutely hideous. But then actually when you put it in context of 20,000 people shouting and a real physical match, it's been a proper battle in the middle, in the middle of the park. It's actually not that bad a tackle. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to see red cards yeah. for that. Um, like you said, if he's standing up and he's planted his foot, then it's dangerous. And I think she's got a different decision to make. But I didn't think it was overly high. Um, it's over the ball, it though. Was it out of control? I don't even think it's it was it's a foul. Ball, it's, it's a foul. We've seen, we've seen red cards given for them before, haven't we? We've seen yeah, them. we have. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm not saying it absolutely wasn't a red card. What I'm saying is we want referees to be able to apply some common sense. Um to the game and give things as they see it. We don't want our game to be sterilised to the point of having to look at stills and replays for everything. I Referees think... looked at it, and in the context of the game, hasn't given a red card. And I think, you know, we have to uh, have to applaud her for that. I didn't think it was a red card when I was at the match, and when I came home and watched it on the replay, I still don't think it's a red card. Um, however, had it been given as a red card, I don't think either team would have had any reason to complain. I, I think there's a wider problem here. I think it's just the inconsistency between refs, between games. We're getting a different experience, but that's not just... But all games are different. Exactly. All games are absolutely different. Yeah. You, you can't have standardisation. You, you can have standardised rules, but you, can, you can't have standardised interpretation no. of the rules. Um, personally, I mean, I, I'm going to get on my soapbox here for a second. I, I think the game is, is ridiculously soft compared to the game that we all grew up with. I mean, look, do we bring out the the Jason Cousins against Doncaster here. Is that the good time to do it? He um, went for the ball. Beautiful. He beautiful. went for the ball. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great stuff. Take a bow. The thing is, though, is as I think we've gotten used to a game where a lot of the physicality has just been drained out over the years because players are conditioned to go down much more easily. The referees are they face a lot of pressure to blow up for certain things, and it's just become it's just a very different game now in physically. And um, I think that's a shame. And, and I like the fact that this season, and it was it started dripping in last season, the referees do seem to be letting things go a little bit more. And I think that that's probably just a symptom of the fact that the game's getting faster, the game's getting less physical. It's, it's almost like we're, we're on this trajectory towards football being a no-contact basketball kind of sport now, which... I really don't like because I like crunching tackles. I, I like it when referees let things go. In fact, I think referees need to let things go more. You know, in fact, I, I think that she should have just given Connor Horahan a talking to and, and a flick on the wrist. But that's obviously that's just the way the game's going now. But I, I miss the good old days. I want more Jason Cousins flying tackles. That's what I want. So, so do I. And I agree with you. I'm just going to play devil's advocate here. And I feel, I feel the reason that it's going the way that it is is because over the last 20 years or so, the game has got a hell of a lot faster at this level than what it was 20 years ago. And I think, unfortunately, as a result, these tackles that come in, it only takes a slight touch and players can go down because the momentum that they're going at compared to where they were going at 20 years ago. I love the physical side of stuff. I mean, you know, and, and things as well. I go and watch non-league all the time. And, you know, you get to see a bit more of the physical game that you kind of, we grew up with. Um, but even then, some of the players that, you know, even at county league level are really good and they're fast. And I I, I just think, unfortunately, I'll say unfortunately, but, you know, the, the game has shifted in and it's taken on a different form as even you know as it as it would from the 90s compared to the 70s i think it's just the way that it is um mm. but we've just got to adapt so you know var probably is one of those because it it really does open up um so much more interpretation because if you actually look on social media after the game derby fans were absolutely booting off at the decisions the ref were making where i'm not I'm not even saying this as a biased Wickham fan, but I think she had a fair game based on decisions. And that's both ways. Because I think some of the fouls we we made, we shouldn't have made, and she pulled us up for that. You know, that that was the most balanced performance from a referee we've had um, this season. Um, so, but it's very interesting that Derby fans have a completely different opinion of that. Would they have had a different opinion if they'd won the game? 
Who knows? <laughs> That's the question. The referees that are good at our level are the ones that recognise the level they're at. There's, there's going to be more physicality the lower down the leagues you go, you know? And she obviously realised it was if the League One game, it's not going to be... Uh, she doesn't have to be Premiership standards. She lets some things go. If she applies that in a Premiership, she might get a bit more short shrift about it. But um, she recognised it was a League One game. There's going to be some physicality. Just, just get it on. A change of shape towards the end. We were doing really well with the uh, with the back four. We then went to a back five to obviously try and uh, make sure that we uh, we left with with the point. And uh, the game to me was very similar to to Barnsley. the the trip to Barnsley, in that we soaked up an awful lot of pressure, but the hosts, they grew and they started bombarding the box a lot more. I think think we could all be in agreement, right, that we saw Derby's goal coming. It was coming. They were really laying it on thick. I thought we did really well to last as long as we did. But I think a combination of just being worn down, I don't think the the tactical change did us any favours. Um, and to concede that goal, what were your thoughts on the change of shape, and uh, did did you see it coming as well? I think it's purely the fact that we went to a back five as to why we conceded. I actually think we looked comfortable for most of the game. That was the most reassured by a defensive performance that I'd been up until that point. And as soon as we brought Keo on and switched to a back five, I'm not slating Keo by the way because I don't think it's entirely Keo's fault. But switching to that back five is. is, is why? I mean, I know Derby switched their their formation, and I know because Grimmer was injured. Probably wasn't it? trying to match. Mm. I know, but it's because Grimmer was injured. Sh- you know, we've got we've got different options. I just I just keep to the back four. We were so solid, crew, crew, and it just <laughs> it looked it looked decent. I just I, I I despair. I I purely think the tactical decision. Um, it has cost us, unfortunately. And, it, you know, we were fortunate to get the penalty at the end. But we've had two games now where we've had a back four. Shrewsbury, we looked much better. We looked more solid, apart from the goal, which we've just stood back from. But we've just there's, there's got to be something now where Blooms goes, let's just build on the back four and I'll put the back five. And maybe, you know, learn it in training for a few more weeks or whatever, and then try it out for a game where it's like, I don't know, like you're Cheltenham. Or something like that. I agree. I mean, the, the back four looked looked solid, like you say. Um, I do. I, I don't want to jump on Kier's back, but I do think that he actually disrupted it when he came in. Uh, Farino and Lowe looked like they knew they had a partnership going. They knew mm. what they were doing, and he came in the middle of it, and basically it just threw everything out of kilter for that last ten minutes or so. Um, I just think it wasn't necessary, and if I was Blooms, I'd be literally doing it, training every day, working for a back four because it looked like it worked. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. We uh, we looked resolute. <clears throat> those those two centre backs looked like they were they were having the time of their lives when we were playing a back four. They had loads of space. We looked quite comfortable. Uh, at one point, when Vincent Young came on, I thought he'd put Vincent Young on on the wing and put Farino at right back. Um. But then, obviously, when when it all came out in the wash, we had gone back to about five. And I think that had Grimmer not got injured, we wouldn't have gone to about five. But I no. do think it's kind of like any excuse to revert to type. Um, and, you know, Vincent Young could he have come on and played as a played as a right back? I'm not sure. Could he have gone and played further up the pitch and then put you know perhaps a wheeler at right back? Again, not sure. <clears throat> We're kind of putting putting round pegs in square holes again, but my gut feeling is that staying as a bat four and putting Wheeler at right back would have been the most sensible option. Um, And I think, it's not just Keogh, I actually thought Keogh did all right when he came on, but it's, I think anybody being put in that position where you're going from a two to a three, anybody being dumped in, had that been tough as Ollie going in, um, they would have been in a way, it would have been tactically difficult to go from a two to a three in the centre because all game you've been marking the same play, you've had the same plans, you're talking amongst yourselves and all of a sudden the third player's chucked in there. It creates all- a <clears throat> it, it creates a chasm, doesn't it? Yeah, it creates yeah, a space absolutely. that they then push forward. It's negative yeah. football. Yeah, 100%. And, uh, and, I just, yeah. and I just felt like, you know, we could... And 
this is where football fans are so fickle because last week we were saying we don't want round pegs and square holes. We want people playing in their right positions. So he brings Vincent Young on and we go to five at the back. So Vincent Young can play as a as a wing back, which is his right position. And we're moaning that he hasn't played David Wheeler at right back. So the irony the irony isn't lost on me of what we're saying. But I I do think there were other options for the last, what was it, 15, 20 minutes of that game. Mm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, even if he had to put Farino out at right back, and Keo in the and Keo in the middle, that probably would have worked. Freeno's got but, that in his locker. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Right and I think Joe Lowe had been playing there, so Joe Lowe, not that Keo needs talking through the game, but could have been talking him through what they were doing. And I don't think that there would have been an issue for fifteen minutes. I think he'd have got away fine playing right back. But but look, it's really easy to look back in hindsight. And I think you've got to try and pick up on the positives. Um, we were much better. We were much more solid as a four. Um, spoke to Grimmer after the game. He said that he'd got a knock and then he felt it again later on. So had to go off, but hopefully it's nothing serious. Um, but let's just hope that, um, let's just hope that this back four continues and that we can, uh, we can pick up some points over the next three or four games. Lyle Taylor, Kieran Sadlier, probably their best performances in the quarters to date. No, probably about it. Lyle Taylor had... His best game for, I mean, it wouldn't have been difficult, but had his best game for us, undoubtedly. Held the ball up brilliantly, looked sharp, was coming short, was laying the ball off, was bringing McCleary and Sadly were playing wide and kept switching, which was causing them problems when we were countering. Um, looked looked very, very good. Sadly, playing, we well, started off like wide left, didn't he, down like our side where the fans were, high up the pitch, actually wanted to take people on. Um, was was really making a clear effort to take people on um, and to try and get the ball in the middle. But there was still some still some frustrations. Like I said, we're just not creating enough. But it's a whole team that aren't creating enough. Um, it's not just them two. Um, but I was really encouraged. I was chatting to somebody actually who um, who listens to the pod who said, but I agree with you about Sadler and both of us said, it was like watching a different player out there on Saturday. He... He had the bit between his teeth. Um, he looked like he had something to prove. Um, he did. He did really well. And long may it continue. Look, I've said on on Twitter and on here, I've said I want to be proved wrong. I want these guys to prove me wrong. Um, they were both very, very good at the weekend. Overall, good performance in terms of getting the result. There's that euphoria that comes as a result of that last minute penalty. I think that kind of all that kind of saved our weekend, right? But. But that we can't hide from the fact that, and you mentioned it earlier, it's been mentioned a bunch of times, that we are continuing to struggle with our creativity uh, across the field. We're really struggling in the final third. One shot on target the entire game, and that was the penalty. Um, it's, it's a continuous problem. Uh, we're not going to, you know, you, to win games, you need to score goals. It's the simple fact of football, right? Um, do you think that we're kind of, papering over cracks here you know if, if we hadn't got that penalty and we would have lost the game we'd be this would be it'd be a much different discussion wouldn't it posted something out over the weekend because oxford had six shots on target in six seconds on saturday against burton <laughs> we've managed the same since the 31st of october up till last saturday so that tells you how crazy it is that we're not getting our chances i know the oxford stuff would have been pinball in the box but it's still proves the point that we are lacking in the creativity thing i don't think it's papering over cracks as such because i think we absolutely deserve the draw based on the performance because you know as adam said lyle taylor up front i think had a cracking game the attacking players you know that phase of play where lyle taylor back heels it to i think it was harry boys who had the shot and things like that that's what we want to see more of um and the flashes of that coming through and i think with Matt's sharpness i think that's what lyle taylor will provide um, interesting to see a lot of people quite negative about our attacking options as well on Saturday, where I thought it was much better than it has been previous games. But they are right in the fact that there was only the one shot on target. So, you know, where are the where are the goals going to come from? That's the question. Um, and, you know, we've got, what, 11 days now until the transfer window opens again. Are we bringing Dave Tarpey through? <laughs> are we bringing Ronan Curtis in? You know You're what obsessed. are we doing? You're obsessed. I think there's a there's a two word answer to our um, creativity problems in midfield, and that's Freddie Potts. Dave Tarpey. Dave Tarpey. No, not Dave Tarpey. Freddie Potts. 
it's no coincidence that his injuries sort of coincided with our lack of creativity in the middle, I, I think, because they say don't fall in love with a lone player. Unfortunately, that ship has already sailed for me. Um, I just think we, the club need to let the fans know what's going on with him because yeah, when he's in the midfield, him? we look better. Simple as that. I, I just want to know. I just want to know if he's okay. Like, yeah, <laughs> he's just disappeared off the face of the earth. I can confirm that he's alive and he's eating sweets. <laughs> uh, he's eating sweets every week. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some well less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs. United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points at the death. Who doesn't love a last-minute winner. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? A participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. He's doing, he's giving Lockie the old West Ham crossed hammers, so he's he's, he's fine. <laughs> this is the thing that is doing my head in with, with the club. I don't like this lack of transparency with injuries. It, it's really annoying me, actually. I just want to know when we can expect our best players to be back. It's not that hard. They said it was a knock as well. When he first, first knock, ago, what, it was like a knock. A, yeah. Like a, what was he a knock, locked off or something? Yeah. No. Sledgehammer. How, how hard a knock was it? Does he owe someone money or something and got, got kneecapped? Just tell us, club. I don't think anybody did, but I don't think Bloom's realised actually how big a part Freddie would have to play in this season. Um, and I think he sort of foresaw a bit of a bit of match sharing between Brecken and Potts. You know, Potts has come in and been, and been so good. Um, that that we've really missed him. But <clears throat> I think a, a lot of our problem has been confidence. Um, you know, the, the players themselves have, have admitted that they've been down, hearing some, you know, some murmurs, just that it, no, nothing really bad that we need to be worried about, but just the, the frustration starting to come out in training and, you know, they want to get it right and they're so desperate to get it right that I think maybe they were trying too hard and we spoke about that in the last game. Um I just feel like it was starting to come as we grew into that game, kind of the 20 minutes of 50 minute period on Saturday, we were knocking the ball around quite nicely. We were trying different stuff. Like Dan said, Lyle Taylor had a couple of little flicks. Sadly, was taking people on. Then Vincent Young came and he was actually cutting inside, wasn't he? Vincent Young, he was making some really, really dangerous runs. Um, and it's amazing what that little bit of confidence of just being in a game like that for so long has, has done for him. And I think the last minute goal will, will really do them the world of good. And look, we're, we have an easier run. There's no such thing as an easy run at this level. We have an easier run. And I think it's just really important that we try and um, we try and end our our drought of not scoring in uh, in open play and really go for it. You've mentioned, though, that Freddie Potts is the solution here. Freddie Potts is quite obviously the plan A. But it goes back to exactly what we were saying last week. What's the plan B? If Freddie Potts is out, it's like what we had with when Josh Scan was out last season. We had mm. such a terrible patch of form because he was the linchpin in midfield, and that's the difference. And this year, it's a mix of Josh doing his defensive duties, but it's Freddie Potts. So, you know, Freddie's quite out for quite a bit. You know, I, I can see them trying to shoehorn Killian in, but uh, to that role. But I don't think Killian's that that player. He's not, he's not that playmaker that that we need. So, what's the plan B? And I think that's where the issue is at the moment is that we don't have one and that's why the shots aren't coming. Let's uh, let's wrap up Derby. Uh, who are we going with as our hero of the match? I'm going to go really massively left field in this. Um, I'm going to say Max. He made one absolutely stunning underrated save down to his right. Um, that pretty much won us that point. Um, he looked like he was back to the old Max, like he was coming out off his line. He was he, he was collecting crosses. Um, he was communicating well, and like I say, that save 
is as important as any goal we'll score this season. It was absolutely unbelievable. Nobody's spoken about it. How we got down to that so quickly, I do not know. Um, and I've been sat you know, I think Phillips had a had a really good game. I think Sadly had a good game. I think Taylor had a good game. But actually, as far as the impact that they've had on the match, I think I'm going to give it to Max. I really can't decide between two players. And there are two players playing right next to each other in uh, um, Lowe and Farino. Uh, I just think they were they were imperious on, on Saturday. And if I had to pick one, I'd go for Farino because he made less small errors than Lowe. Simple as that. I was going to go for heroes of the match if I can. And it was going to be the back four up until Grimmer got injured. Because yeah. purely what a difference that made. I'd, I, that was the first time in a long time where I didn't feel overly worried about the uh, about goals going in. It's interesting because you saw Derby fans going, "We're going to win this eight 0 before the game," but you know what? They they held such a strong defensive line. I wasn't worried. I think that we thought that we were going to lose eight 0 going into it. Um, all predictions going into it was was pretty bleak. And uh, yeah, no, I think that's fair. My uh, my hero of the match is uh, Farina. I think. Uh, uh, I mean, we, we've spoken very highly of this young man, but I think that was a top-tier performance for him on Saturday. Um, he's he's like... Having him is like having Galactus in your in your defence. He's absolutely massive. And uh, he's fast, he tracks back, he's not afraid to get forward. Obviously, there wasn't a lot of that against Derby, but I think he, he had uh, Mendes Lang on lock on Saturday. Uh kept up with him I mean Mendes Lang is I mean he's getting on a bit but he's still pretty speedy um but he's also quite a physical player but Farino had that he had that on lock he had that box crossed off and I was really impressed I mean it, it was part of uh, as you say uh Dan an overall very impressive uh performance from our back four before we went to the back five, but but there we go. Um, let's move on. We've got two big games to cover, our Christmas fixtures, uh, two vital, vital games. Uh, first up, a return back to HP12, our beloved home uh, as we host Port Vale on Saturday. Then we've got a, a very long, very daunting Boxing Day trek to Exeter. Uh, Port Vale, let's start with Port Vale, uh, playing them on Saturday. They currently sit 15th. They're on track for a bit of a similar finish to where they ended up last season. Um, big question mark for them, though. Uh, they played midweek against Middlesbrough. Their uh, Carabao Cup dreams were crushed, lost 3-0. We are going to enter into that game uh, inevitably, almost inarguably the fresher of the two. Um, but they know a thing or two about horrible runs. Uh, recently come off the back of an 11-game winless run uh, from mid-September until well, just about now. They've ended that with a 1-0 win over the team that we're playing on Boxing Day, and then they followed that up with a 3-2 win over Wigan. Um, how are we feeling about this one? Is this is this because both both the games, Port Vale, Exeter, they're games that really you'd, you'd expect us to win, but on our current form... Uh, not so much. Who would you rather play right now? Would you rather play Port Vale or would you rather play Exeter? I mean, we've got to play both of them anyway. I'd rather play Exeter because we owe them one yeah. at the start of the season. Simple as that. Use that as motivation. They humiliate you first game of the season. Go and do them. They're, they're not playing well. You know, I'm all right in thinking that Port Vale at the start of the season were towards the top of the league and then they just fell they apart. Were, yeah, and then they free fell. And... Yeah, so I, I'd rather play Exeter simply because of what it means. I, I think I believe it means to the club and the players and the fans. But Port Vale is something that we really need to focus on more than anything because they're a dangerous position because they're in a similar vein of form to us. It's a bit like Shrewsbury last the other week. You know, team not playing well and. If we don't focus on that game and think about things in the future, we can easily fall apart and, and have another Shrewsbury moment against them and just let them nick the game. Yeah, I think they've got a they've got a decent squad as well, haven't they, Port Vale? When you actually look at who they've got and the kind of um, kind of players that they brought in over the summer, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a really, really tough game. They've got young um, young Alfie Devine. 
um, on loan, who knows how to score a goal. Um, Chislet just coming into form at the wrong time, scored a hat-trick in the last game. Um, and, you know, then you look across their whole squad and just really, really experienced, good level Football League players. And it ain't going to be an easy game, but Connor Ripley in goal. Um, seem to remember going up there last year, actually. And, um, you know, we weren't very good. They weren't very good. And they won it by, <clears throat> you know, some so, some real scruffy defending. Um, they've obviously got Ike Piazu as well. He's not been, I don't think he's been a regular starter for him, but they've Scored. got him. Um, yeah, Sod Sod Law says he's scoring. <laughs> so, um, so look, it's not going to be an easy game, and they're going to be a side who who will try and give up possession away from home. I would think. Um, I don't think they're going to be a side who play lovely free flowing football and try and take the game to us. Um, I think they'll make it difficult, and we need to work out a way of how we're going to beat these sides at home. Um, so, yeah, all all in all, a bit nervous about this one. Um, but I think off the back of off the back of the elation from the last few minutes on Saturday, um, I do think we can get a result. I'm nervous for both of them. I mean, like Port Vale at the moment, we we don't play well at home. Um, I mean, if the Port Vale turns up for the first game of the season where they lost seven nil, then I'm hopeful. But I can't I can't see it. And I think off the back of a couple of wins and a game against Middlesbrough, they might be uh, they might be up for it. Um, the reason I'm nervous about Exeter is because we never seem to do well at St. James's Park, if I remember. It just always seems to be a real difficult, scrappy game. Um, we don't forget that they did beat us 3-0 at the start of the season. I know it was a completely different time and they've had a bit of a torrid run since then, but we are notorious for those helping clubs to break their form and get back into form again. So, you know, it's uh, if we play our game, and we learn the lessons that we took from Derby and we take our chances, then I'm hopeful for the next two games. But if we go into them with back fives, square pegs in round holes and all that kind of stuff, then I'm a bit nervous. Mm, I, I want to throw some some scary stuff at you, uh, as I like to do. Uh, it's been over a decade since our last defeat against Port Vale. Um, but it's been 20, oh no, I'm sorry, but it's been 21 years since we beat them at this level. Um, however, uh, you mentioned uh, Alfie Devine. We've got a bit of a namesake connection here. Uh, that last win 21 years ago was a 3-1 win on the 14th of December. Sean Devine, double off the bench. I think we could, uh, I th- let's just start him on Saturday. Has anyone got his number? Let's give him a call. Let's get him on. Um, he yeah, could probably still three, do then. it, you know. Yeah, it might be the 5-3. We know Dan's going to predict it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, well, that leads us quite nicely on then. Um, Predictions for Port Vale this Saturday. What are we going? Let's just start with you, Dan. What what are we going with? 5-3. But we can't say Divine Hattrick because he plays for the other guys. But they've got to score three. They've got to score three. Divine Hattrick, (laughs) 5-3. Perfect. Uh, Adam, prediction? Um, a little bit more shady. Uh, I'm going to go for a 2-1 victory. Um, I th- don't think it's going to be pretty. Uh, and it might be decided by uh, by a set piece. I'm going to try and throw some positivity in here and go for a 2-0 win. Ah, that's me too. There we go. 2-0 <laughs> from me as well. I think, yeah, I think it will be... I think it will be one of those games where... Because we're not the fastest starters this season, are we? And uh, nice. I think it'll probably be a, a slow, scrappy, bitty first half. Understatement of the century from Michael. Ex- <laughs> exactly, yeah. There's going to be 2,500 be... people there because it's the last day before Christmas. Exactly, yeah. It's no one will be there. Blooms will give them a kick up the arse and we'll come up the gate, score a goal from open play, and then there'll be a Luke Leahy free-kick beauty to send us off uh, for our Christmas dinner nice and happy. Uh, what won't be nice and happy is the day after Christmas Day where we have a 325-mile round trip to Exeter. Um, but but we go there. We're, we're looking, yeah, as you say, uh, Damo, uh, for a bit of revenge uh, after that shocking 3-0 defeat on the opening day of the season. Um, Exeter, like Port Vale, they started the season really well, absolutely hot form, but that really quickly petered out. They are, as we speak, they're dangerously uh, just 
hovering above the relegation zone. They too, similar to Port Vale and us, uh, are on a horrible 12-game winless run. Uh, and that also includes a 7-0 thrashing by Bolton as well. So real close connections between uh, all three teams that we're talking about at the moment. But, you know, they're probably going to take some confidence from the fact that we are one of the five teams that they've beaten so far this season. I also want to talk about the St. James's Park record. It's, it's a bit mixed. 12 trips there. We've only won four times and that last win came in 2015. It's, it's going to be a horrible trip. Is that anyone making it? Who's going? We're thinking about it. Kirsty's dad lives down in uh, in Devon. <clears throat> um, so he's ideally placed, but I've got work the next day. Um, so we were thinking about driving down there. She's going down between Christmas and New Year anyway, so I'll leave her there and drive back. But, um, but yeah, I'm not sure. I'm <clears throat> sort of see which way the, uh, the land lies, see how much beer is consumed on Christmas Day, I think. But... Um, Either way, it's going to be a tough journey down there. It's a horrible time to be travelling down, especially for the players. You know, there's, there's got to be something done about this at our level. I'm not saying fix the fixtures, but it can't be that difficult to make sure everybody's playing relatively locally on Boxing Day. Um, that's just absolutely ridiculous for supporters and players having to travel that distance on Boxing Day. Where would um, you send? Where would you send Exeter if 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 you had to send them anywhere or send a team there? It's not going to work for everybody, but there must be a way of getting fixtures closer than that. It's just absolutely bonkers. Um, it'll do the world of good for the crowds as well, because if you've got a local derby on Boxing Day, you know, you'll probably fill the place up. And to, to be fair, extra have nearly sold out. Mm. Um, I saw something on their website the other day. There was like single tickets available in all the seats, and then there was like 600 left in the, in the terrace. So, um, so it's going to be a big atmosphere in there. And we spoke about them at the beginning of the season, and I actually said that I thought that they were going to be my uh, my surprise tip. Um, they go, Not taking much, tips from you anytime yeah, soon after that one. Shows no. how much notice you should, you should pay to me. But you look <laughs> at the side that they've got. You know, they've got, um, they've got Tom Carroll, who when he came on against us was... Um, I think he started, actually, didn't he, and went off. I think he got subbed. He was absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah. The little lad he played down the right down the right wing from uh, Chelsea, was it Rank? Ranking, yeah, um, it was good. It was quick as, and he caused us no end of troubles. Um, so you know they've got some players in there that are, that are potentially quite dangerous. They've got um, Diabate as well, haven't they? He's a decent footballer. Um, so look, we're not talking about a side who are um, who are full of players who they pulled out of the national league who who haven't got a clue these are players who when they're in the groove as we saw at the beginning of the season can put in a decent performance um away from home i've actually seen us win there twice um don't realize actually how bad our record is but um but yeah lots lots to be nervous about i think a lot of it will depend on how we come out of saturday um you know, if we come out with a with a clean bill of health, how many changes will we have to make? Um, you know, you've got to bear in mind that the games are coming really, really, really quick at this time of year. So, you know, what's he going to do with the starting lineups? That'll be interesting to find out. Um, but yeah, I'm not as confident about this as I am um, as I am Port Vale. Funny enough, I think the difference that um, Exeter had last game compared to this one though is Sam Nombe up front, who's now at Rotherham. Because uh, he was very good. Uh, that was one play we didn't mention. But I, I don't know kind of what they've got up front now compared to that. So, yeah. He reminded um, me of um, Akinde when he came on loan to us. Like, sh- strong but ridiculously fast as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, he, he just had everything. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I think a lot of it's going to come down to also the, the condition of the players. I mean, playing Saturday, Tuesday, which we've been doing fair amount anyway but then Tuesday to Friday sounds like I know it's four days but how much how much are they going to be able to put it put it in during the week you know put recovery and then training in a short short space of time between the two games so we're probably talking Saturday to Monday as far as recovery is concerned Mm. simply because we're kicking off at three o'clock even if they go down there on Boxing Day which I very much doubt they will they're going to have to be leaving at eight nine o'clock in the morning probably earlier than that yeah. Um, if they're not leaving at eight, nine o'clock in the morning, then they're leaving on Christmas Day, so leaving the families behind, etc., etc., etc. They're getting on a coach for six hours. We quite quite big commitments to to be making at, at their ages. You know, the ages where you've got young kids and stuff. So it's going to be hard for them. And 
look, I don't want to make excuses because I think when you're a professional footballer, there are many, many, many things that you can enjoy. Um, you know, you're well paid for doing something that you absolutely love. But I think we need to sort of stop for a minute and actually think, you know, these guys are these guys are giving up their Christmases while we sit there and tuck into our 10 ton of roast turkey and 55 roast potatoes. You know, they're probably going to be, uh, be, be sat on a bus going down to Exeter for us to watch on, uh, on Boxing Day. So, so just spare a thought for that. And like you say, Damo, I just think that the recovery, it'll be really difficult to see how they're going to do this. I don't know if they'll train Christmas Day and then maybe jump on a coach and go down Christmas Day evening. I don't, I genuinely do not know. But, um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they line up and uh, and who makes both games. Well, we don't we don't know about that though, do we, Adam? But what we can do is we can get the crystal ball out because we're so good at this. What are what are our predictions for the Exeter Boxing Day game? How do you think it's going to go, Demo? Let's start with you. I'm going to go for one one. Uh, so I'm going to go for a really exciting, riveting nil nil draw. <laughs> God, that sounds exciting for Boxing Day, doesn't it? The, yeah. the Brussels sprout of football yeah, results. Yeah, exactly right. I'm going to have to take offence to your comment there, Michael, because Brussels sprouts, when they're done properly, are absolutely Mate, Brussels banging. sprouts with a bit of butter, bit of bacon, absolute. Mm. Brussels sprouts on their own, cooked by your your aunt, they taste like shit. That's the Brussels sprout nil-nil draw that I'm talking about. Dan, what's your score prediction? Do you know what? I, I actually think this season I go by Mystic Meg. Damien there, who seems to get it right every week, so apparently it's going to be 1-1, but I'm going 5-3, because it's going to happen one day, and when it does happen, we're all going to enjoy it. So, two, two five, three games. It's going to happen, it's going to happen, and until it until it does happen, it's going to be 5-3 prediction every time. It's the Terry's Chocolate Orange of uh, Boxing Day football results of 5-3. Absolutely citrusy. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with... Uh... I'm going to go with Damo, though. I'm going to go one all. Uh, I'd be absolutely delighted to go there and, and just nab a draw. I think it would also show signs that we are improving as a squad as well because, I mean, you don't get any worse than than that first 10 minutes at the start of the season against Exeter. But I think we're going to play it safe and I really wouldn't be surprised if we rolled out a back five for that one. I think we'll be a little bit adventurous, hopefully, at home. But uh, I think Blooms will want to go uh, and uh, and secure at least a point. Um, we're going to end with a quick mention about Matt Bloomfield, actually, because uh, next week, specifically the 28th, marks the uh, 20th anniversary of Matt Bloomfield's long, illustrious romance uh, with Wickham Wanderers. He signed for us, as I said, on the 28th of December 2003, the first signing of the Tony Adams era. Uh, Damo was actually there. He's old enough. Blooms made his debut in the 2-0 defeat against Rushton and Diamonds. The rest, as they say, is uh, history. He might not go down as the uh, as one of the greatest players in the club's history, but I don't think that there can be any doubt that he's one of the club's all-time great servants. Dedicated and professional from day one. There's a reason. Come on, there's a reason why we call him Mr. Wickham. Uh, guys, before we go, what's what's your all-time favourite Matt Bloomfield memory? Uh, for me, there's there's loads. Um, both on the pitch and off the pitch. Uh, having a drunken conversation with him at one of the uh, end-of-season dinners was uh, was probably one of the funniest. Um, basically told him that I loved him, gave him a, gave him a hug. He took it very well. Uh, <laughs> but on the pitch, um, I couldn't even tell you what year it was. I just remember Tranmere away. I remember the goal as if it was yesterday. He's picked up the ball, um, sort of slightly down the left flank, Pushed into the edge of the uh, of the eighteen yard box. He's run a, a, along the line of the eighteen yard box and unleashed a shot into the bottom corner. It was the, the most unexpected shot I've ever seen in my life. Um, <clears throat> and he scored. And there was a bit of a standing joke for a while. I I loved Blooms. I loved him from the day that he signed to to now. And there was a bit of a standing joke that every, every away game that I didn't go to, Blooms scored in. Um, and at that point, it was only one or two a season, so there wasn't a lot. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, just like the, the 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 pleasure at watching him score, but what a legend! Like you say, perhaps not the most talented um, player that we've ever had, but a hundred and ten percent week in week out, um, put his life on the line for the club quite literally on more than one occasion. You know, he's taken pay cuts so he can stay at the club. Really, really, really wick him through and through. 
regardless of what happens in his tenure as a manager, he'll, he'll always be a Wickham legend. And and look, Keith Ryan wasn't the greatest footballer that's ever graced the earth, but we look back very, very fondly on, on Rhino. Um, and I think in, in 20 years' time, we'll look back um, on Bloom's tenure with the club, very, very similar to how we look back on Rhino's now. I can vouch for the fact that uh, Adam's obsession with Matt Bloomfield even surpasses his, his obsession with Luke Leahy. Um, my favourite memory of Bloom's has to be Doncaster away. They were flying at the time and he actually scored an overhead kick. Now, it wasn't a full bicycle because the other leg didn't go, but it was above his head. And he fell, fell backwards and connected beautifully on the six-yard box and then he went in and it was just brilliant because we were 1-0 up against a team that I think was top of the league at the time. So that's my that was one of my favourite memories. Mine's really obscure. Um, it was a three-all draw with Chester City back in two thousand and five, but it was the last game before I moved to Sydney. Um, so I was yeah, it, it was a really really entertaining game. But he ran the midfield that day, um, and I think it was just a stereotypical workhorse performance one. But I, it always sticks in my memory because it was, as I say, it was the last game that I kind of was that for a, for a, a couple of years before I moved away so yeah it, it's it's one of those where you know he's continued that and for for years to come it was I think it was at that point as well because he'd been had a really good few games for us and he'd only signed for us the year before um or two years before sorry that uh we were worried that he was going to be picked up by a bigger club but you know 20 years down the line here we are so yeah, it's just uh, it's amazing how things pan out in the end, isn't it? It is indeed. It is indeed. Um, I, I've got two favourite memories uh, that I'll share really quickly. First of all, uh, first on the pitch, uh, the uh, the only, uh, I believe it was the only goal of the game, but it was the winning goal against uh, Stevenage on the final day of the season where we got promoted. Um, I just remember, I don't remember the goal. I think it was a scrappy goal, but the, the look on his face, I always... You always know you've got a keeper when you see the the look of absolute adulation on a player's face when they score because you just see how much it means to them, and you could just see final game of the season, let it all out, scored that goal. I mean, Bloomfield never scored that many goals, did he? So it was a bit of a collector's item as it was, but just the absolute look of sheer pleasure on his face, uh, obviously matched by all of us as well because that was a great day, um, beautiful moment. Um, second, it's a bit of a weird one. But uh, Bloom's uh, Bloom's numbers in my phone book because um, we <laughs> we were um, so so my missus makes uh, cupcakes and she was gonna basically make him some cupcakes to give to some players for some I don't know some gifting thing. But literally, like the next week, uh, COVID happened and uh, and it never happened unfortunately. But um, we 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 got talking on uh, on WhatsApp and um, this was when this podcast was in a ver- very early stage it hadn't been launched as this podcast yet but um we were talking and then he went oh by the way did you want me to record an intro for for the podcast and usually when when you get players to do that kind of thing and get them on podcasts it's a herculean effort it it requires so much uh you know effort to get that and a lot of organization but i think i mentioned to it to him once in passing and the fact that he remembered and just went yeah let's get this recorded for me and for this podcast it meant an awful lot and I think that that kind of encapsulates his commitment to the club not just on the pitch but off the pitch and being that real champion and and driving that community spirit they really don't make them like Matt Bloomfield anymore and just to touch on that I've got another memory just very quickly um Barnsley away last season uh, when we won 3-0 Dom Gape massive halfway line um we were we got into the stadium quite early and we got called down because my son obviously he's like he was nine ten at the time um got asked to read out the team sheet um and we obviously delighted to we went down on the pitch and obviously the players were all warming up and matt bloomfield actually he was a coach obviously for for gaz at the time actually came over shook the kids hands asked them if they were all okay and everything and that kind of epitomizes how how good the bloke is and you know he didn't have to do that but you know my son still talks about that now so you know that that tells you the, the measure of the man really and that will do it for this week thanks for joining for another episode of the heroes of hp12 if you haven't already please subscribe on spotify 
And if you're loving the podcast, help us out by leaving a five-star review. You can follow us on Twitter at Heroes of HP12. You can follow Adam at APCWWFC, Dan at Dan Clark PR, and Damien at Damo1507. We'll be back next week with a special festive discussion on all things Chairboys. We'll probably all be quite drunk, but bear with us. Until then, wishing you all a very Merry Christmas, and come on, you blues. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.